I'm Tisha Bader, and in the news, a massive counter-terror operation in Janine launched early Monday morning, July the 3rd, by the IDF and Shin Bet to dismantle the terrorist infrastructure in the refugee camp, known as a hotbed and a safe haven for Palestinian terrorists. And then a Palestinian terror attack in Tel Aviv on Tuesday, July the 4th where seven Israelis were injured. Two of them remain in serious condition, including a pregnant woman who lost her baby as a result of her injuries. Then last night, five rockets were launched from Gaza toward Israeli territory, all intercepted, thankfully, by the Iron Dome. And also last night, an IDF soldier was shot and killed as Israeli forces began to leave Jenin after the two-day operation. Well, to give us some perspective on this situation is former Israeli ambassador to the United States, Donny Ayalon. Donny, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time here to Hi. speak with us. My on pleasure, Tisha. Thank you. So things are always complicated in Israel, Donny. This is a particularly tough week. Let's begin with this major counter-terror operation. And before anything else, if you can just give our viewers an idea of what Janine is we, we say we call it a refugee camp, etc. What is the reality of Janine and its threat to Israel? Well, a little bit of perspective uh, history. Uh, I would say that Janine has always been a hotbed of radical Islam, even before the state of Israel was uh, re-established. Uh, whether it was the British Mandate and certainly through the uh, before the Independence War and after the Independence War. Uh, Janine and Nablus, uh, they are the northern part of uh, Samaria, and um, the, the tribes there, the families there, the Hamulas there, always describe themselves mostly with Islamic Jihad and, uh, and with Hamas. Now, with that said, after the uh, agreements that we've had with the Palestinians, and they have taken upon themselves these uh, commitments, obligations actually to mop up there, to uh, um, continue with consistent counterterrorism uh, um, uh, operations, but they have not. They have failed to do that. Not only that uh, they are not counting terror and stopping terror, but they are encouraging terror, fortunately. Uh, firstly, by uh, incitement, and uh, this is the most uh, nefarious incitement that uh, I've seen uh, for years, uh, whether it's in their uh, schools, through their curriculum, uh, in their what is called state-owned media, you know, the uh, Palestinian Authority uh, media on the one hand, and secondly, through um, financial aid to the terrorists and their families. And you know that there is a tariff. The, uh, according to the Palestinian legislation, uh, they, um, the, the amount that they uh, give uh, terrorists is according to how many Israelis they kill. This is how it goes. And uh, there is a special tariff if uh, these are Jews from uh, Jerusalem or other parts. It's just uh, gruesome. It's cynical. And uh, this is very, very unfortunate. Now, in Janine itself, uh, it has been a hotbed of uh, terror, especially as the Palestinian Authority is nowhere to be seen over, over there. In the city of Janine, just uh, almost in the middle there is an old refugee camp, if you can call it the refugee camp. Uh, and um, what they have uh, created was really uh, bunkers and caches of uh, enormous amounts 
of weapons, explosives, and even they try to start a whole industry of rockets, uh, just as they do from, uh, from Gaza. In the last uh, Tisha, um, I'd say three, four uh, months only, 50 uh, terror attacks came out of Jenin, killing uh, about a dozen Israelis and uh, many um, shoot, shoot ups on the, on the roads and, and ramming and stabbing, everything that you could just uh, think of. So this uh, Israeli mop-up operation was basically long overdue. And I'm glad to say that it was quite uh, successful in the sense that uh, um, over 120 uh, terrorists were captured uh, about 12 were killed. They were all armed terrorists and uh, fortunately no uh, uh, collateral damage in the sense that no uninvolved Palestinians uh, were killed and uh, tons of explosives uh, were captured as well. Laboratories of uh, explosives and um, weapons were destroyed. And unfortunately, uh, it was a very successful operation. Unfortunately, just in the last few hours, there was one Israeli um, killed, one Israeli uh, from a special unit, and um, and he was just uh, buried uh, today. But uh, overall, I expect that the terror from Jenin will subside now, although there will always be some uh, operations as they will try now to show that their modulation has not uh, subsided. But uh, Israel is geared for that. We are ready for that. And, uh, you know, Tisha, we, it's, it's, it's awful to uh, have any, any loss of uh, life. But I can tell you that without Israeli security presence in Judea and Samaria, our life here would have been just unbearable. And the fact that uh, we can keep on uh, living and doing our routine uh, uh, jobs and chores and everything else is because we have an excellent security uh, forces, great idea, wonderful intelligence, and this is what we will have to keep doing. And Donna, you mentioned um, the uh, the Palestinian terrorists. There were about twelve um, who were killed. Were all armed terrorists and no civilian casualties. And the IDF stressing that this is. It's priority. It really, and it's such a challenge. As you mentioned, Janine has a civilian population. It is a densely populated area. This is a very small area in square feet and really, really a tough place to go in and, and carry out this type of an operation. And although there were civilian casualties, which is unfortunate, the civilians hurt. I'm sorry, there were civilians hurt, um, which is unfortunate. There were no civilian casualties in this mission, talk a bit about that challenge and how the IDF goes into such missions with that very strong imperative in mind. Yes, it is a, a major challenge. And the um, I would say that uh, the uh, operational paradigms for such a, a, a case is first of all, use overwhelming force. When you use overwhelming force, actually you prevent any kind of um, out of control uh, events, and you can kind of nip in the bud any um, skirmishes or, or explosives or uh, terrorist shootings. Second thing is to use uh, drones, and Israel is known. You know, we have the best, uh, um, you know, drones for precision 
and uh, when you have these uh, drones uh, overhead, also it's a, a way, a very effective way to um, actually preempt any terror and be very, very uh, like laser guided against only terrorist targets and avoid the civilian uh, casualties. Now here, it is very important to know that the Palestinian uh, terrorists, just like in Gaza, they commit not one, but two uh, uh, war crimes. The first one is that they target Israelis, only civilian Israelis. This is the first war crime. The second one is that they use their own uh, civilian as human shields. And, uh, you know, many of the caches uh, of ammunitions and weapons were found in a mosque, in clinics, in um, um, schools, kindergartens. This is what we have to deal with. Uh, and, and this is what the world should know and understand. Unfortunately, we cannot uh, rely on the Palestinian Authority. Again, they shirk all their responsibilities and commitments. So they're not a partner, not only not a partner for peace at this point, as they will not uh, recognize Israel as the Jewish state and our right to be here in our homeland, but also not in counterterrorism. So, uh, so we face basically two fronts with the Palestinians, the one in Judea and Samaria, mostly in the northern part of Samaria, which is Jenin and Nablus and in Gaza. And you mentioned, Johnny, what the world needs to see. Let's talk a bit about the media, which it's it's no surprise that media coverage here in the U.S., um, many of the mainstream media puts Israel in its headlines in not the best light. I'm just going to read this headline from the Washington Post, for example, which said, Israeli forces invade West Bank City, killing at least eight Palestinians, period. This is the headline. And we know in today's world, people are just flipping through and scrolling down and seeing headlines, and that's it. They don't have any context. They have no inform. Uh, they have no facts. Really, they they see this headline and many like it, and they think, "Oh, Israel again, the aggressor. Israel again, going in and doing X, Y, Z." There's no mention in that headline that they went into Janine to root out terror. That these are that the terrorists responsible for all these latest shootings and attacks in Israel. Most of them came from Janine. This is the headline we see. And again, it's no surprise, but how do we, that's yet another battle that we have to deal with in this situation. And, and it repeats itself all the time. Yes, this is very unfortunate that uh, today media is not really professional, unbiased, uh, objective media. They all have agendas, unfortunately, political agendas, and they're wrong. They falsify the news or they, uh, um, in a way, they you know they they just convolute uh, the truth either by not telling the entire truth, either by misleading headlines, and this is what uh, we see. What you have just quoted now from uh, uh, the the newspaper is is just awful, and uh, the fact that they do not give the full picture, of course, is uh, is not helping the situation because what they do is that they encourage the Palestinian terrorists to continue and double down on their attacks as they get cover from international media. This is very wrong, morally wrong. And um, I uh, have no uh, uh, solution because, uh, you know, we, we have been uh, actually contending with this uh, 
uh, biased media, not just in the United States, but you know, in Europe and other places. I'm not talking about the Arab states and Islamic states. We don't expect much for them, but from fellow or sister democracies, whether it's in Europe or in the United States, we would have expected a, a much uh, more accurate and, you know, just depicting the full picture. And they do not. And then, you know, it, it can go and just bite them as well, as we have seen terror activities in, in Europe uh, by, um, uh, again, by uh, radical uh, Islam. And I don't want to mention the 9-11, uh, but uh, we have to understand that we are all in the same battle. And for the uh, radical Islam, whether it's ISIS or Hezbollah or Hamas or Iran, you know, which is really the mastermind of all the uh, terror activities here in the Middle East and beyond, um, for them, it's just a matter of priorities get the Jews first, get Israel first, and then go on westward, whether it's Europe and then America. And of course, we had this terrible terror attack in Tel Aviv the day after the counter-terror op began. We have seven Israelis injured, as I mentioned, two still in serious condition, two women who are um, sedated and intubated at the moment, and uh, including a pregnant woman who lost her baby. Uh, in Tel Aviv, you know, this, this, it always reverberates a little differently when it's in, in this bustling central city where it, it always feels like more of a surprise when things happen in the heart of, of Tel Aviv. Um, but it's, it's part of this, this wave in the last year or so of, of these kinds of attacks. Right. And here probably we're talking about a copycat. Uh, of course, uh, our uh, Shin Bet is looking into it, but uh, so far it seems like uh, that terrorist was not part of a major organization. Uh, it was like a lone wolf. These are the hardest to actually uh, pin down and, and catch. And here, what he used, you know, again, Israeli humanitarian attitude where we allow Palestinians to come, first of all, uh, dozens of thousands, like uh, 70 or more thousand Palestinians come to work every day in Israel just for livelihood. Uh, 30,000 more coming from Gaza because we do like to, uh, to, to allow them uh, real decent living conditions. In the case of the, this, this terrorist uh, in Tel Aviv yesterday, his brother had a special pass for humanitarian reasons, because he is a terminally ill person. So this uh, terrorist actually used his brother's pass, probably, to come in. So of course, uh, we will have to uh, get stricter uh, regulations and, and checkups. But uh, this is the way that uh, this terrorist, they have no compunctions of using ambulances, as we mentioned, you know, they use their own population for uh, for um, um, defense and for human shields. Uh, they would use ambulances, they would use any, uh, the most lowest um, morally um, characteristic uh, attacks just to kill Israelis, just to kill Jews. And at the same time, Donnie, it's so important that Israel continues to 
you know, have these humanitarian um, passes, as you say, and things like that, it's it's important to have these things and these measures to allow for people who need help to get their help. And as you said, it's really um, just a terrible um, situation that this terrorist used that to commit such a such a heinous act. Donnie, when you look at the big picture, if you can, of, you know, it can seem like a cycle, right? That there are, Israel does what it can to root out terrorists and goes into Janine when it has to. And again, this is this is not a mission that is taken lightly. This is at a very carefully planned. There is risk to IDF soldiers, but it is take it is done when it is felt that is absolutely necessary. So we have to remember that. And then we have, you know, we have we have terror attacks, and then Israel has to go in and into Janine or arrest terrorists. And then we have attacks that the terrorists say, well, this is in response to what you did to us. And then it 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 seems like a cycle that we've seen for far too many years in Israel. It, it is a reality, unfortunately. But do you see any way to 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 shift it at all or to find a way so that this does not continue to be the case, or is this just the reality of living in a country where you're surrounded by extremists who want to see your destruction? Not not everyone, obviously, but there are elements, like you said, heavily in Janine, who have this agenda. Can anything well, be, be changed? Yes. yes, this is a reality that uh, sadly, we have been uh, used to it from even before the state was uh, reestablished. But I guess this is the price uh, for us uh, to keep our freedom, to uh, own our destiny and future in our own uh, homeland. Um, this is something that uh, is not, um, you know, God-given. It could be changed. But for that, we need a new leadership at the Palestinians. At this point, what we have is really we are in a conundrum. Why? Because the Palestinians are split. In, in a terrible way. You have the Hamas uh, headquarters in Gaza. And Hamas in 2007, actually they uh, committed a coup against the Palestinian Authority. They took over Gaza. And uh, this is where uh, we have uh, actually the uh, a real basis of terror, which is sponsored and motivated and inspired and financed by Iran through Hamas and Islamic Jihad. In the West Bank, Judea and Samaria, we have uh, the Palestinian Authority, which um, is also under a mortal threat by the Hamas. And I can tell you, Tisha, that without Israel's security presence in Judea and Samaria, the Hamas, just as they did in Gaza, they would have taken over Judea and Samaria and kicked out the Palestinian Authority in a few hours, just as they did in Gaza. And uh, so at this point where you have Iran, Iran is the source of all terror in the Middle East, not only against Israel, where it's, it, it's against the Sunni uh, countries, whether it's Saudi Arabia, the Emirates, anywhere you, you have um, a real uh, unrest and a real violence is the, the fingers of Iran, whether it's in Yemen, whether it's in Sudan, whether it's in Libya, of course, we know Lebanon, Hezbollah, uh, whether it's uh, Syria or Iraq. 
So uh, I would say if we look at the long run, you know, look at the bigger picture, the, uh, the best way to mop up all terrorism is to get at the head of the snake, if you will. And for that, we need to see a much more uh, forceful policy towards Iran, whether sanctions, whether a credible, credible military uh, threat. And uh, this has to be done by the entire international community. It's not just Israel's fight. Iran is a threat to the entire Middle East and much beyond. Um, but this is one thing. Uh, on the other hand, at this point, we have to wait and see what will um, come out of this battle between Hamas and the Palestinian Authority, which is, again, not our battle, and we are not to get involved there. And here we are probably in the doldrums of the, um, the I would say, the um, regime of Abu Mazen, who is now 88 years old and already his lieutenants are gearing up for a battle for his succession. So we may have to see uh, two phases. First of all, we'll have to see who will be the new leaders of the Palestinian Authority with the hope that with them, you know, they can be much more effective in counterterrorism. Then they can be a partner with Israel. And then we'll have to see how the Palestinians, the Palestinian Authority, the new regime there, sort out their differences with Hamas. And only then we can talk about a political um, process with the Palestinians. Israel would love to have peace with the Palestinians. You know, uh, we have had um, long, long battles, bloody um, wars with Jordan, with Egypt. Now we have a peaceful relationship with them. And we actually took upon ourselves and uh, uh, many concessions, painful concessions. We were ready to do the same with the Palestinians, but to no avail. And uh, not uh, too many people know about it, but during the Obama years, and uh, John Kerry as the Secretary of State, when he tried to negotiate between Israel and the Palestinians, Bibi Netanyahu, the Prime Minister, who was then also Prime Minister, was willing to go almost all the way to the 67 lines, with, of course, with some uh, swaps of land, but he asked one thing from Abu Mazen, the Palestinian uh, leader, to recognize Israel as a Jewish state. And this is where it ended. That is where we hit a, uh, just a dead end, a brick wall. The Palestinians would not do that. And until and unless they recognize our right and, and really put an end to the conflict and to their uh, claims, then we can really talk about some meaningful uh, process, but uh, unfortunately, this is not in the cards. You know, there are many, many things that have to be uh, actually put in place beforehand. You know, neutralize the Iranian threat and then neutralizes the uh, uh, Hamas and uh, Islamic Jihad in Gaza, and then hopefully uh, have a new and effective and not corrupt leadership of the Palestinians. And then you can really start a meaningful process. And until then, we will have to continue and guard ourselves as we have been doing. Well, Donnie, thank you so much for all, all your wisdom, your perspective. Let us hope for more peaceful days ahead, more secure days ahead um, for the people of Israel and for, for the entire region. 
and uh, hope to have you back on JBS. Your perspective is always uh, so welcome and uh, so appreciated. My pleasure, Tisha, anytime. Danny Ayalon is former ambassador from Israel to the United States. We thank him so much for sharing his knowledge and his perspective with us here on JBS. And thank you as always to our director, Sloan Copeland, to our transmissions manager, John McDevitt, technical manager, Michael Paley, to our producer, Carol Lilienthal, and thank you for watching In the News.